you know, the emotions are running pretty high. This is Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and we're coming to you on Tuesday, 19th, one day after the ELP mandate went into effect. Fairly soft enforcement was beginning to roll out in most states, as I saw personally yesterday in Kentucky. I think it's probably accurate to say that in the early days, we're not going to be seeing a lot of fines for ELD non-compliance. All will, however, provided their computer systems are up to date to do it, and some aren't. All states will be documenting violations on inspection reports. Those violations, the feds have noted, will not contribute points to CSA scores through April 1st, and no out-of-service orders will be issued for not having ELD or other ELD-related violations. The hours of service have not changed, however, so all hours violations remain in play as usual. If you're out there newly on an ELD, keep a paper log backup handy as you work through the kinks in the initial weeks. Some ELD providers are having trouble keeping up with added volume, as we've reported. Access overdriveonline.com for the latest. The voice you heard at the top, noting emotions were high indeed, was that of owner-operator Gary Books. My conversation with the TCA named 2017 Owner-Operator of the Year over issues related to the ELD mandate, the gangbusters freight environment we've seen getting better the last few months, and more makes up the remainder of the podcast. Gary, regular listeners will, and or overdrive readers will likely remember from the load I joined him on last year, which yielded a variety of insights into his business thinking. He's leased to Landstar, dispatching himself, working with a variety of the company's independent freight agents and taking constant temperature of his market on the in-house load board. Bucks made a voluntary switch to an Omnitrax AOBRD a couple years back now, so he's running e-logs. Here he runs through some of what he went through early on making that switch. Likewise, his worries for freight market health with the rise of tech-enabled brokerage and hopes for rates, at least in the short term, despite the inevitability of a hangover after the big increases he's seen recently. At a certain point late in the podcast, I do make mention of a story about forward-looking uh, forward blockchain technology and its potential roles in the supply chain and freight markets of the future. That story will be an Overdrive January issue and available online after the first of the year, so look for it then. Enjoy the time off around Christmas if you're taking it, and for those still running on the road, stay safe out there. The conversation with Bucks continues on emotion, issues of emotion and and ELD-related emotions specifically now that the mandate is here. There's one thing he said, though, that wasn't captured by the audio. In a way, it summed up his thinking on the mandate and most of the related issues of profitability going forward. This is the quote, reflected in my notes from the last half of the conversation. Quote, We want to get emotional and say, you know, truck driving died on December 18th. But you know what? It didn't die. It just changed. And with every change, there's opportunity. We in this industry that do this job, we've tended to pride ourselves on working more for less, but we need to not work more for less. End quote there, and now take a listen to the rest of it. It's unfortunate. Here at Landstar, you know, with all the veteran operators and the ones that I read, you know, the communication with, uh, that waited until this last week to get on the uh, electronics. Uh, they're going through what I would describe as the normal adjustment that I went through and others I, you know, know well went through that takes, you know, uh, four to six weeks to just to make those adjustments. And, uh, and it's more about, um, just incon, it's a lot of it's just inconvenience that we're not used to. And, 
And I have some concerns about how other people are going to behave out here, I, to be honest. I, I'm concerned that, you know, people may try to cause more trouble in our locations, uh, deliveries, pickups, where they won't mm. want to move their truck, you know, things, you know, just unnecessary, uh, just to use the excuse of it's the government, I can't do anything about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to create some pretty tense, situations and people really need to stay under control and stay calm or somebody get hurt you know <laughs> so. well, explain explain that a little more i mean what's the, what's the what's the concern there exactly yeah what i'm concerned with is uh already some of the companies have gone to the before the 18th here the what they would consider the, the difference between the eld and the aobr you know the aobr the advantage is we can move a little bit and it doesn't start to dry doesn't change our status and uh those parameters are usually set by the company uh we get we get two miles here at landstar and what uh bld does is five miles an hour but i have friends in in company driver situations it starts them driving the moment they put it in gear release the clutch if a driver is in a parking place or a dock and they are going to interrupt that break because they let it you know put it in gear they're they're going to fight not to move you know they're going to they're going to be in a situation and justly so i i think that is one of the big mistakes that um fmcsa made with that that five mile an hour rule or the rule that the moment you move you are driving i think that is a a bad um a bad move i, I think it's yeah because good. basically basically what it does is it, i mean you know it's a, it's a circumstance that is beyond essentially beyond the control of the, of the person behind the behind the wheel and um you know in some cases it's it's going to basically throw a guy into a situation where he his device records a violation that is then <clears throat> that is then uh, easily a, a, able to be cherry-picked by law enforcement or attorneys down the line, God forbid something actually happened, um, as, uh, you know, as evidence that uh, this guy is doing something untoward by violating the hours of service when in reality he's just being, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, being uh, thrown out of a, uh, of a parking place yeah. that he had just been in or, or whatever the case may be. Right. And if people won't move, out of a customer, you know, location or even, you know, out of the dock. It's not even the yard. You know, let's say they're in a dock and and they won't move out of the dock. Well, then you've got a customer upset. You've got people that want to get loaded or unloaded upset. You've got a very um, explosive situation where emotion, you know, it, it's going to, it could really uh, create some problems. I'm concerned about that. And, uh, and the people that are going to do that, um, a lot of them, if they're new to the devices, to the technology, they're going to struggle with um, that mindset of I got to, I control it. I control the key. When I get to the location, I need to educate or I need to inform the customer that I have this much time. And if we get yeah. down to a certain length of time, I have to either be able to unhook from the trailer, 
go park somewhere. You bring me, you know, with your spotter truck, you bring me the trailer um, and I'll leave as soon as I can. Or, you know, there are, there are ways to manage this if people communicate. And I think that's the key. Communication really is. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, a little, tell me a little bit about the adjustment period you have with this. I know it's been, uh, it's been a while. We may have talked a little bit about this in the past, but I don't think we talked directly about uh, the, the sort of initial adjustment uh, period uh, from when you first brought on, uh, what, in your case, you're using uh, what's an AOBRD, I guess. Right, is, right. I'm uh, still on the, the AOBR, you know, the A-board programming. And uh, I can still remember, and one of the reasons I can remember is because I do some mentoring and coaching with new people, and, and that yeah. keeps me, it helps me stay on top of things when I do that. And I remember distinctly about three or four weeks into to having the device in my truck. Um, l- let me let me back that up just just a little bit. When I first got mm-hmm. it, I was the kind of driver that tended to drive, you know, pretty reasonable. Actually, probably on the slow side as far as general traffic around me. I did feel like I began to push my speed when I first got it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it was just the tick, tick, tick of the clock. You know, yeah. even though I would have plenty of time, it was a, it was a behavioral thing, um, and uh, you know, psychological. It was a psychological thing. So uh, one day, I remember it probably three or four weeks in. I was getting in the truck, and I had the key in my hand, and I, I was having some anxiety over you know the whole situation a little bit, and I go. And I just kind of, you know, talking to myself, I said, this is stupid. This is no reason to stress. I hold this key. I control what this key does. This key controls what that little screen does. And so, therefore, I'm in control of it. It's not in control of me. And it was almost like um, a, a giant weight lifted off of me. Now, I won't say that it never returned again or you don't feel that pressure over time, you know, from time to time. But that mindset of understanding if people can uh, grasp that they are in control. Now, this goes for an owner-operator who controls their schedule. But if you are in a situation where other people control your schedule and um, dispatch you and um, and so on, you're gonna you need to get control of that. And I have a friend that's a company driver, and uh, we've known each other for over 15 years. And he regularly, uh, in, you know, educates his dispatcher. I can, I can or cannot do that load when they contact him about a load, and he'll say, "Nope, that one won't work. This is how much time I have. This is what I can do." And that's what you have to do with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the market hot the way they are. I, I just looked at a load. I'm going to be empty here in Rockford. And earlier I looked at a load picking up at five this afternoon. They had to go to Kokomo, Indiana from Northern Illinois. $1,800 gross. They'd pay the truck probably about, uh, let's see, 70% of that. So 700, another eight, um, eight and sevens, five, let's say 550. So almost $1,400 to the truck on 300 miles. Okay. Right. So I'm looking at that load and I'm thinking, wow, I'd love to take that load. Man, that money, it's calling. It's it's knocking on your brain and you're going, man, oh, man. And then you look at it and you go, yeah, 
I don't have enough time for that. So, you know, you just don't worry about it. You move on. But right. uh, those are the kind of things that can really start to bother a guy. And then, and then an operator can feel like, oh, I lost $1,400. Well, you didn't because you never really had it. Okay. And no. you don't know for sure if you got the load. But those are the emotional kind of things that are beating people up. And so you just move sure. on to the next opportunity that's out there. And and they're there. The market it's a it's a hot market and it has been. So Yeah. Yeah, I think you were telling me, um you you've kinda shifted your thinking about uh about pricing uh, from sort of three dollars a mile being sort of your uh, target uh, target rate for some of the shorter haul stuff you do, and then uh, you kind of move that up to about four at this point. Eh? <laughs> right. When I do my searches, and and I get basically, I'm going to use seventy percent of that number. You know, when I look at our load board, right. what that number? So a good way, and what I teach. Um, when new people come in, uh, easy way for them is three dollars equals two dollars to the truck. I mean, it's very close, and yep. uh, with school and so on. When Books talks about pricing on load boards, he's talking specifically about the in-house Landstar board for its leased owner operators, in which pricing displays as gross to the agent, not the seventy-five percent that goes to him as a truck owner. So it's an easy, quick way to look at a load board and understand where we're at uh, to make good quick decisions uh financially now because of where the market is uh my normal search area i would look at that and there might be at three dollars in the past like just six months ago there might be 500 loads in that market area that i search at three dollars or more i just looked this morning just within the last hour there are basically two thousand loads three dollars or more in that same search area so there are so we've gone from 500 to 2000 is the availability and that's everything over and so then i raised that to four and i'm back down to like almost 600 loads still in that same search area available for me to select from and that's all dates by the way um now if i narrow it down to today It'll be about, oh, say, right now there's about 100 loads over $4 within the Rockford, Illinois area in our system for vans. There's right. probably, there might be 30 trucks available. I don't even think there's 30 trucks available for that day. Probably not. There's probably six to eight, maybe 10 loads for each available truck. Gary Books and I were speaking on the afternoon of Wednesday, December 13th, as the ELD mandate's scheduled enforcement date approached the following Monday, amid continuing high demand in the freight markets. And that's the, the capacity to freight ratio that is giving us the uh, pricing advantage. And, uh, and that's yeah. the northern Illinois area. It's uh, going to vary in different parts, as we know, different regions yeah. locally and so on. You know, we we get uh, weekly reports from uh, the folks at uh, at BAT, and you know it's, it's all sort of a lot of it's based on load to truck ratio by state, and, and uh, it's kind of color coded depending on uh, how favorable it is to truckers in a particular state. And I think 
uh, first time I've ever seen it, uh, the, the dry van uh, map was almost entirely deep red. This past week, but, uh, yeah. we have not seen that before. So, not in the time I've been tracking uh, uh, that uh, with this particular metric. And we haven't even got the full effect that's going to go come into play in the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Here in, in our system, we had a, a cutoff of December 4th. Uh, they wanted everyone okay. to uh, have it in their truck installed by the 4th. And there were people that did not make that. Um, okay. And it took them pretty, a lot of them, till the end of the week to get the equipment installed, get it up working. So, um, right. that's our particular system. Uh, every individual is going to be a little bit different. Um, but technical right. ability to understand uh, what they're using, what they're buying, you know, I, I yeah. want to commend um, Overdrive and you for having that buyer's guide with so many options for people to get educated because um, it's different for each operation. If you're a small operation or if you're a mid, you know, if you've got 50 trucks versus one truck, it's a whole different, you know, uh, ball game. And, um, and the pressures you feel. Uh, if you've got people driving for you versus yourself, you have to keep them happy. So, um, uh, and people who are just going to the electronic system, they are going to lose some efficiency no matter what for a while until they learn to manage it and, and adjust their uh, decision making. Yeah, what was your what was your experience when you switched in, in that regard? Uh, how I mean, how did you did you see um, tangible differences in your sort of ability to, to kind of keep up with the keep up with the loads? I know you you talked was, about your tendency to speed up, but <laughs> uh, I I think the difference? thing that I um, yeah there was a distinct change in uh, making the adjustment for when I start my day okay. because, uh, for example, uh, last weekend I did some uh, Broadway show loads uh, on Sunday night, um, early Monday, and because of the timing and scheduling, I couldn't wait until the last moment. I got a call on Sunday and they wanted to know if I could do a second load. Well, in order to get enough time between the loads, I had to leave home early enough, go get the first one, get parked, get a break in in between. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of adjustments starting possibly earlier or later, you know, just right, right. start earlier to the break in at the customer and then continue and start fresh there. Or do you start, go pick up the loads? You know, you have to know your end goal um, mm -hmm. and I'll say this what I've learned is you have to plan 34 to 36 hours ahead often if you look at our clock you know we're really not we don't really work a 24-hour clock in spite of the 10 and 14 generally mm -hmm. I find that um, planning uh, it you want to look 34 to 36 hours ahead because what you do today will affect not just tomorrow it'll affect the, the morning after so let's see today's 
I'm trying to think what today is. Today Wednesday, I guess. Yeah, we're talking on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what I do today, finishing the day, can affect Friday morning. Um, right. What I do, and that's what I think um, people want want to, uh, you know, if they're going to do well, that that'd be helpful for them. The one thing that you know you hear a lot, uh, companies, dispatchers. Uh, you know, everyone says to a driver, uh, you should have planned better. The sarcastic thing that people, you know, <laughs> people yeah. say about the... Yeah, and I'll say right in now. defense of the, the people that are saying that, I would say that's the wrong terminology. And I would say to my fellow operators and drivers, you need to plan, period. You need to have not only a plan, you need to have plan A, B, and C. Uh, for those situations, you know, every day, every afternoon it changes. Um, yeah. You know, you really do need to, and I think there are, unfortunately, and I'm going to beat some people up, maybe they'll feel like it, but we do have a lot of people that feel like they can't plan because someone else is controlling their dispatch. Um, you you really uh, need to work on that communication, build that relationship with that person, and even if you're an owner-operator, you know, you don't maybe have, per se, a dispatcher, but you have a customer. And so yep. communication with that customer. And um, there are a lot of great opportunities out here. And and I would say that one of the things I've discussed with some, some people are that our business, where's the future of trucking? Well, it's here in a lot of ways now. And... It's about customer service. It's not about miles. It's not about, um, uh, it's about hauling value and it's about either the value, the freight or the service or both. And, right. um, you know, start thinking more on the per hour basis. Um, time is our limited asset. So yeah. don't think about the per mile um, as much. You still use it to calculate certain things, but you still have to calculate in the time factors, and because uh, you can't get time back, you know we know that. So. As as much as we would uh, love love it if we could, it's just not possible. A few of the keys for I think people, um, you know, let's look at going into you know the rest of this month into the first quarter, and that's the other thing. Freight changes every quarter and seasonally, yep. and customers change. Uh, I've had agents calling me, telling me that they're getting back some of the lanes we lost because of pricing, and mm -hmm. that actually those lanes are going up, and they're trying to secure capacity to fill those, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, customer needs, and uh, you know, so making those uh, intelligent choices. People need to be careful with good prices not to overcommit also. And um, the strategy I use is that, and I've used it for a while, I look for what I call an, the anchor loads, the loads that um, are uh, kind of really, you know, it's, it's the cream of the crop. It's the best, like the load today that I'm finishing up. You know, the, the load, uh, my profit on it, 500 you know it's a thousand dollars for two days is the problem and that's an anchor load i can go from there 
and do pretty much every anything. Matter of fact, what I'm doing is going home. But, but anyway, right. <laughs> so so um, but you know, not trying to overcommit and put ourselves in that time bind, bind um, work off of profit and understand our costs and our profits. So you got to know your fixed costs. Your variable costs should take care of themselves, but understanding your fixed costs, not putting yourself into a position that um, you can't uh, afford to not overcommit. That'll that'll not only take the stress off, keeps you safer, and uh, also, if you don't overcommit, it opens up opportunities for those spot bids for things you maybe haven't done before. when someone calls and says, I've got a load that needs to go 50 miles and it pays $1,000. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think with the conditions such as, such as they are, um, you get, uh, you know, keep, keeping, uh, keeping all these, all these things in mind gets, gets you, um, I mean, sort of staying open to new opportunity is, is probably key for, for anybody who wants to sort of, uh, Grow, uh, get more, more, uh, more income opportunity. Um, you know, even with uh, you know the, the ELD adjustment period coming in, um, there's, there's still uh, there's money to be made for sure. There is. There's great opportunity, and and I think it's safe to say that um, capacity is not going to increase next week right. or first quarter. Uh, right. It's been interesting. I've been watching the uh, articles about the new truck orders uh, by fleets and so on, and what right. the companies are reporting. But for a great, you know, the the largest amount of that is replacing equipment. The yep. foundation of capacity, if you really think about it, the foundation of capacity, is the driver, the owner operator, and the driver. Uh, we don't have the self-driving truck yet, so you can have a thousand trucks sitting in your yard, but if you don't have a thousand drivers, what's your capacity? Your capacity isn't a thousand. It's what you have available to move the freight, and that's the foundation is the driver. Uh, and so, uh, do we see a lot of, we see new people coming in all the time, but we're going to lose some people. We know that. Uh, how much capacity are we going to lose, you know, between now and, you know, the end of the first quarter or the end of the year? My feeling is uh, just looking around, knowing how people operate, knowing the number of people who've decided to retire because, A, they're mm-hmm. old enough, financially secure enough. They just don't want to have the hassle. Uh, regionally, uh, in this area, I think capacity could drop anywhere from 7 to 10%. And if we have, if we lose half of that, if we lose 5%, 3 to 5%, you know, that's, you know, put that in perspective for, um, you know, the readership. 5% basically is five out of every hundred loads don't get moved today. So if we've got, if we've got a hundred loads on the board at, you know, at $5, it doesn't matter if there's five or $6 a mile. If there's only 95 trucks, well, there are 95 trucks, but they are not going to get moved. They're going to get moved. Right, right. Which, is, which means opportunity for somebody who can figure out a way to do it, right? 
right place, right time. Never stop looking at these lug boards 24 hours a day. Every chance you get, stay educated. Um, make notes. Make notes of the customers. One of the things we're seeing is, like, there'll be a load that's very critical at one point. If they don't find a truck, the next day the load drop, the price will drop back because they'll reschedule. Uh, same load because I know they're preloaded. It, it, they don't just always keep raising the prices. They do go back right. down. Um, right. So if they have to reschedule it or find another way to move it, it can happen. So don't get greedy either. I mean, the, you, we can get too greedy. And um, and sure. that, yeah, I think about it. I put it this way. When are we going to go? When are we going to have the hangover from all this? Um, if we go through a whole year next year of pricing like we've seen the last quarter of this year, we're going to have a hangover. And when we do, when those prices drop back, and people have gotten so used to four dollars gross being the normal versus three or two. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to struggle with that. So that's where keeping our operating costs as low as possible, even in the highest market, is very important. Save the money, you know, and um, get yourself yeah, save that money, money for the for the rainy day, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made a you made an observation about um, you know how you, you worry about how long um, how long the shippers and, and receivers can afford to pay what they're paying for transportation uh, at this point, um, or you know whether whether it does just kind of sort of become a new normal. I mean, do you, do you think it's pretty inevitable that there there is some kind of hangover, as you said? I, I of, think there uh, will be. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I think there will be uh, the people that are really going to benefit from the uh, rule going into effect next week. I was just talking, we just so I was talked about it in the last week. The um, the fleets, the the um, LTL carriers are going to really benefit. Any company that can shuttle shuttle freight, in other words, exchange mm -hmm. trailers with another driver, are going to really benefit. Uh, the railroads are going to really benefit. I think uh, from this and um, they're going to have tremendous opportunity to pick up uh, customers that perhaps truckload people had uh, okay. service because uh, truckload operation uh, has had been, I think beginning to struggle with that whole, you know, drive across country, take a 10 hour break every, you know, yeah. you drive 11, Stop ten, drive a you know, basically fifty percent of the time. Where if you can exchange the trailers, you know, shuttle, you know, drop and hook, you can keep that thing going probably, you know, twenty hours a day and get that, yeah. you know, get that freight moved. And you know, that's the competition. But competition keeps us better too. I mean, that makes yeah. uh, you know adapt. It does, and even in our company with owner operators. We've had agents who've arranged for, um, you know, drop and hook shuttle. You know, there'll be a longer yeah. run, and maybe the driver didn't want to go, you know, a thousand miles away from home, and but he'll go five hundred and drop and hook mm -hmm. with another guy that lives, you know, on the other end. And mm -hmm. we've had some success with that. I think we'll see more of that in companies. 
you know. Yeah, I've certainly plan- heard uh, similar stories going on at other companies, um, for sure. Uh, yeah, and it makes sense. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one reason I don't own my own trailer. I still use a uh, a company trailer. You know, I pay a little bit of, you know, I give up some percentage for that. But right. the reason I do that is because the market I'm in, uh, the benefit far exceeds, um, you know, what I would gain from owning my own trailer. At, at this, you can take you can take advantage of those preloaded uh, situations where you don't have to sit there for two hours and wait and have kind of right. Yeah. You know, you know, there's some other management issues, but I've been able to negate those. They're, they're very minimal, and and um, so and knowing my customers, that's that's a big key. You know, just mm-hmm. um, and people, uh, you know, a lot of the regulation problems we want to complain about are really customer and company management problems. You know, that if we as an industry or companies would get our act together. Uh, like even like detentions and things like that, uh, if they would get to get their acts together, you know, uh, and manage, learn to uh, manage that. I'm I'm concerned about um, a little bit where some of the larger uh, big box companies are are claiming they'll penalize people for being late and. Right. Um, you know, but if they don't, uh, if they're not careful, you know, people basically what will happen, companies, it's it's the market. Companies will build in that penalty into the rate. I mean, you know, we're not going to absorb it, you know, for very long. Sure. You can't. You can't. Anytime, anytime like, a, like a fine or, or, or a fee is, is, is passed to one party in any business relationship they, they sort of pass it back right <laughs> they try to pass it somewhere else right eventually it does you know it, yeah. it's uh, one of those things where um you know it, and that again is communication and yeah that's where doing the shuttle doing you know having the local driver do the delivery instead of the wire you know the line haul or the over the road yeah. operation do the delivery you know things like that um, it's, sure. it's going to do it. It's going to have to shift. We got to get more efficient. We really, as an industry, have way too much downtime, inefficiencies, um, you know, and that's probably where we have, as an industry, a chance to uh, take up some of the slack in capacity as improving efficiency. Yeah. I will say this: we hear that the technologies. Uh, the information technology is going to provide a lot of that. Uh, it has the potential, but all it has, all it really does for us is provide the information. Someone still has to yeah. put that information into action. And that's where we lack uh, right now. We do, we may have the information, but can someone act on it? Can someone right. actually take that information and, and put it into play um and right now uh i think that's a little bit still a little bit limited what's an example of how uh, you know an owner operator uh does that you know what what piece of this uh the whole great world are we talking about here i mean it's... um as far as the information yeah uh, yeah just uh okay. pricing well, pricing stuff or what what are we talking about sure well pricing um I think being aware of pricing, uh, 
again, communication with uh, brokers, agents, in direct with the companies. When we go into a company and make a pickup or a delivery, uh, keep your ears open, talk to the people, introduce yourself, you know, give your business right. card to the lead people and so on. Tell them your capacity, your ability, so you, you know, if they have a problem, you can solve. Uh, that'll, so what happens is a uh, company gets, you know, in the big picture, what we see coming, um, what I'm going at is at the future, what I just talked about, the future with all of the, what do they call mm -hmm. blockchain technology, all these things. Sure. Are, oh, what was the company the other day I heard talking or they posted about, we can cut your deadhead down, you know, get you reloaded quickly. Well, right. as an owner operator, I don't really care about deadhead. I'll be honest. It doesn't matter. <laughs> deadhead, you know, do I like driving around empty? No, but deadhead is not the first uh, thing. So the technology needs to take into account profitability. Uh, just true. having my truck loaded moving doesn't guarantee profit. So uh, the problem with the large information systems that I'm seeing coming down the line, what I'm reading, it's all concerned with having um, the trucks load fewer deadhead miles. In other words, uh, we want all the trucks loaded all the time. All the time. Quick, right. as quick as they're empty, we want to, you know, if we can load them with the closest load, doesn't matter what the price is, we want them getting the closest load. Well, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean it's the most efficient, profitable load. So the technology cannot make those decisions yet. The, it still takes the person to make that decision. Oh, yeah. What I'm describing is maybe a little convoluted sounding. Um, I have just finished a story that's talking to a bunch of people about blockchain and where it could go, and it's kind of like right there in the wheelhouse. Of the, uh, you know, the Uber, uh, the Uberization of trucking uh, kind of idea where you, um, you're you trying to automate uh, or partially automate uh, freight selection and things of that nature. But, um, well, yeah, if we do that, yeah. do we automate freight pricing? And, and I had mentioned yeah. in the message I sent you that I'm concerned about with the future of this technology, yeah. losing what we consider the free market. Um, so if the, the if technology determines that uh, it should cost a dollar sixty a mile to move freight, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna try the you know the company controlling that they're gonna try to move it for a dollar sixty. The technology is gonna say, well, that's what we should move it for. Yeah, it's it's not right. supply and demand. It's not yeah. capacity and demand. Uh, yeah. We we uh, you know, and the world is you know just that's not how the real world works. At least not now. And I hope it never does. Quite honestly, but you know, uh, you know next generation will be different. You know, we don't know. Most of the operators I know, if we get a load offer or we see an offer for uh, I'll just use a round number, $1,000. We call on it. Right. They call back and say, hey, they won't pay 1000 but they'll pay 900 Almost every owner-operator I know says, no, I will not take it. 
doesn't <laughs> matter. We will not participate in that, you know, yeah. that market. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they call back later, and then we say, well, now it's 1100 <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's an individual choice. Um, you know, people do take the lower prices, but what happens, you get three trucks bidding on one load in certain markets, and if they really want to move, you know, yeah. they will. I mean, they'll they'll bid yeah. it out. Get um, not a good business strategy. I don't think in the long run, though. So right. Yeah. Well, I I bid in the offices with agents when they uh, are putting bids in with companies to get their freight lanes and so on. And yeah. they're like, "Don't you want to do this?" I said, "No way." You know, I'm looking at these prices they're offering, and of course, you know, you've got the lane that pays ninety cents a mile. Then you got the one that pays four dollars a mile. You got to yeah. figure out how you get the guy to haul the cheap one, because if you want the four, <laughs> you got to take the ninety cent. And then it's like, crap. You know, how do you? Yeah, it yeah. is a challenge for you know everyone involved, and yeah. uh, and in our system. You can't really steal money from a high dollar one to put on a low dollar one uh, to move that load. You, you know, you, you, the agent yeah. may have to pay it. They may have to pay it out of their pocket. But um, yeah, we've got um, there's still the human touch. There's still the human factor, and um, we're gonna we're gonna still be in control. And you know, for quite a while yet, I think. And um, I I want to encourage people not to um, react too quickly um, to say I'm leaving the industry I'm you know, so on. We don't know the effects of all these things yet, and they need to negotiate themselves or be in a position to negotiate the environment and the market, uh, whether it's a driving job, whether it's owner operator, uh, from a position of strength and understand that, that again, they're the foundation, they are the capacity. And the only way they can do that is to stay calm, get educated, understand their market. Uh, my friends in Texas are, they're battling a, a market that's, you know, weak. They feel very weak. And, uh, mm. cause capacity is, is higher, you know, more capacity. And it is. And if cold weather hits, guess what? More trucks stay south and go south. Yeah. Well, when I started here, one of the first things, bits of advice I got was, first snowflake, stay north of I-40. Just don't even go south of I-40 because there's no freight. I mean, there's, you know, instead of uh, 10 loads for each truck, there's 10 trucks for each load. So, right. <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't know, it's that bad, but, you know, 